Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 38, Finally, Cities and Venues. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code LETSTALKXFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. I apologize for this episode's delayed release. I felt it would be in our listeners' best interest to wait for Sunday and Monday's league announcements. We also have other developments to address. In addition, later in the show, I will be joined by offensive lineman Michael Brown to discuss his football journey and showcase experience. But first, we have those items to cover. So, let's get to it. On July 18th, news surfaced that XFL Senior Vice President of Ticketing, Lisa Fiegenbaum, had resigned to accept the same position with the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center at Comcast Spectre. Fiegenbaum held the position for only three months. Although Fiegenbaum's departure doesn't look good, it appears the league's partnership with Rev Entertainment plays a role into her exit. According to Rev Entertainment's website, they are responsible for overseeing and managing all business operations for partner sports affiliates, including the XFL, Down Eastwood Ducks, and the Hickory Crawdads. They are intimately involved in all day-to-day operations, which include ticket sales, operations, sponsorships, and marketing services. Then, on July 21st, Sports Business Journal writer Ben Fisher disclosed in his newsletter that XFL Chief Business Officer Jordan Salacher had left the league earlier in the month. Fisher also wrote the XFL declined to comment. However, per his sources, Salacher would not be replaced in the role of Chief Business Officer. This is also likely due to the role and responsibilities Rev Entertainment are assuming. Then, on July 22nd, the XFL held its fifth showcase at Arizona State University in Tempe, Arizona, and two days later, on July 24th, the league held its sixth showcase at Choctaw Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Also, on July 24th, the league held its town hall meeting at Texas Live in Arlington, Texas. During the meeting, the XFL announced its much-anticipated cities, venues, and coaching assignments. They are as follows. Bob Stoops, Arlington at Choctaw Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Wade Phillips, Houston at TDECU Stadium. Rod Woodson, Las Vegas, to be announced. Terrell Buckley, Orlando at Camping World Stadium. Heinz Ward, San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. Jim Hazlitt, Seattle, at Lumen Field. Anthony Becht, St. Louis, at the Dome at America Center. Reggie Barlow, Washington, D.C., at Audi Field. In addition, tickets went on sale two hours after the event. The league is accepting deposits with supposed priority to 2020 season ticket holders. Then, on July 25th, 
the XFL made its hub announcement. The league and the city of Arlington have a three-year agreement which provides a centralized performance facility and multiple practice venues for preseason and in-week training for the league's eight teams. This hybrid model provides players access to full-time, on-site support from coaches and athletic training staff, while still developing team affinity and community relations within their local markets. The hub will also serve as a content creation center, giving the league, its teams, and its players an opportunity to build personal brands and engage with fans through social media, in-person events, and other media platforms. The arrangement includes additional practice facilities, Northwest ISD Stadium, South Lake Carroll Dragon Stadium, and Vernon Newsom Stadium, which further expands the XFL's footprint within the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan area. The players will be housed at local hotel partners and daily meal service will be provided from local restaurants and caterers. In addition, the hub will serve as an around-the-clock content engine, offering behind-the-scenes storytelling of the league, its players, and its owners. It will allow the league to experiment with different kinds of engagement, traditional media, podcasts, social media that will drive fan interest while also elevating the story and individual brands of players. To be fair, this has been reported by Mike Mitchell months ago. This hub provides a centralized local home, which benefits include cost-cutting measures to help the league control expenditures, yet allows each of their eight teams to play in their namesake markets. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by offensive lineman Michael Brown to discuss his football journey and XFL showcase experience. Welcome, Michael. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss your football journey and XFL showcase experience. Thank you for having me here. Welcome. You are the first offensive lineman to make an appearance on the show. I know it's typical for those big play positions to get all the spotlight. So having you on the show is a bit more special to me and hopefully to our listeners. Linemen are the workhorses who seldomly get the glory they deserve from fans, yet they are just as important towards a team's success. Perhaps it's all due to the rise of fantasy sports. But before we get started, maybe we can provide a learning opportunity for some of our listeners so maybe they can have a better understanding of the position. Can you share some key performance indicators or measurables which are used by coaching staffs and teams when evaluating offense alignment? Yeah, sure. Um, when it comes to offense alignment, you know, one of the basics and needs of uh, good or, you know, even great offense alignment is a man who's big, stocky, and who has really, really good feet. Someone who is fast, explosive, and twitchy. Uh, those are those are like all the things coaches want. Sometimes you don't get them. Sometimes you get really, really smart offensive linemen, not as explosive, but then you also get the guys who are like, you know, who can cover up someone or who can get in front of somebody. You know, those are all, you know, I can say those are pretty good things they want. But like, if I was a coach and I was looking for a player, uh, the needs in the offensive lineman would be someone who was big, quick feet, you know, pretty standard knowing what he's doing. Doesn't have to be the smartest, he, you know, as long as he knows what he's doing. But he, if he's explosive, that's the kind of offensive lineman I'm looking for. So what type of statistics are used in-house? I know I've heard the term pancakes before, or they'll look at like assignments. Are they missed assignments and whatnot? What type of measurable statistics are rated for you guys when you guys are potentially looking at post-game or leading up to another team 
for matchups and stuff like that? Are there particular numbers? Cause obviously for, let's say a quarterback, we have attempts, completions, yards, touchdowns, interceptions. Those are the measurables, tangible numbers we can look at. Are there particular numbers that you guys use within the offensive line spectrum? Um, we, the fans have no idea about. Uh, when it comes to offensive linemen is I think the most productive you can see uh, that, like, I don't know how to say number wise, but like, what they look for the most in offensive linemen is how much they stack and how consistent they are. Like the one thing that I've learned is if you can find a boring offensive lineman, but does the same thing every play, that's what you call an all-star offensive lineman. Now, if you get an offensive lineman who is complete dominance and, you know, he stands out, that's another all-star offensive lineman. They're out there, you know, that's how, from what I've experienced and what I've been seeing and how coaches, they go by how they stack because each play, you know, it can go run, pass, run, run, pass, and each play is called stacking. And every time they keep going, going, uh, they keep getting higher and higher, how many of those plays have it been like three, one mess up, five, six, seven, one mess up, you know, one MA here. But if they can go one, two, three, four, five, and then one MA, then another five, that's how you, you can determine if an offensive lineman is really, really good. And stat-wise, you can find out. Pancakes, yeah. Uh, they, they call them knockdowns, pancakes. Uh, that's another thing that kind of boosts it. You can be a very consistent guy, but, like, if you have one MA, but then you, in that 10 racks, in those 10 plays, you got three pancakes, like, the MAs are not even noticeable because of uh, how fascinating it is to see an offensive lineman dominate a defensive lineman, which is very rare and hard. But when you see that, even sometimes one play, if you get a one play where it's you get one series and that series was five plays, you have, you know, four, three good plays, you get beat one time, and you get you have a pancake in there, I'm pretty sure they're going to ignore the, the MA. They're not going to harp on it as much. Gotcha. Well, thank you for providing us with some basic knowledge. Maybe we can <laughs> help raise the profiles of offensive linemen or at least get you guys some fanfare, if you will, because it's you, how many, how often do we see guys wearing the jerseys of quarterbacks or receivers, running backs, or you know, notable defensive players? So, I thought I would try to find a way to boost and give you guys a little bit better um, understanding. Hopefully, oh, that's awesome! If you're helping us, big guys, get in the light. I'm with it. I'm all with it. <laughs> try, try, you know, try to do my part. But enough of the education. Time to get to your story. So despite being in your mid-20s, you've had a journeyman football career from your time at Eastern Arizona Community College and your eventual transfer to West Virginia University to your brief dream moment in the National Football League with the New Orleans Saints in 2021. Since you were released by the Saints, you were selected in the USFL draft by the New Jersey Generals. I understand. Can you take a moment and share how some of these opportunities came about? Are you talking about, like, how I started playing football or just, like, stacking up from there? However, I mean, like, were you always a football player from a kid? Did you get into it late? How did your college opportunities come about? Because, you know, the guys that kind of start with the JUCO, so, to, you know, junior college avenue, they usually have a little bit more interesting story than the people that just were always on the radar. So that's why I just offer the opportunity of, can you share how about? Okay. I've always been a football fan growing up. I've always been big. But the thing was that hindered me from playing any sports was I had heart surgery when I was five. So growing up, 
my brothers, I have four brothers, you know, they're all all-stars, you know, big names in college, high school. And, you know, I looked up to them a lot, but, you know, I couldn't play sports because my heart. So I think I was around 18 where I, I really changed my life where I really wanted to, you know, I've been asking for a better heart to play football. So uh, from a religious standpoint, I'm, I'm LDS. So I went and got this patriarchal blessing, which my religion, we, we practice, which basically means like you get blessed and they give you a guideline. If you follow it, you know, promise blessings if you do the invite, if you take the invitation. So in that blessing, it told me to serve a mission. So you know how the guys go on two-year missions, we have the badge, and you mm-hmm. see us walking around neighborhoods. So I decided to do that. So I was sent and called to serve in the Philippines. So I went out to the Philippines in 2014, and I served a two-year mission to the best of my ability. And I came back in 2016, and then my brother was playing at Miami Hurricanes. He wanted to move to a school closer to home, which was in California at the time. I came home, he came home, and we kind of, like, matched up together. I told him, I was like, yo, bro, uh, let me come play football with you. And he was, you know, he told me, he was like, are you sure, man? This, you know, it's a tough sport. It's a lot of dedication. It's a lot of mental. You got to have it. I was like, yeah, man, let me just give it a try, man. Let me just give it a try. So I went went to uh, Eastern Arizona because that's where he got – he also got a, a, a four-ride two to go play Juco to get back into D1. So he took me along with him. So I went and got a physical. And for the first time I've ever had a physical, they checked my heart and I had no heart problems. <laughs> so it was a promised blessing from the mission. So when I got that clearance, I decided to give it my whole body, mind, and soul to football and to see where I could take it. So I played 2016. Of course, it was a learning year. I started, but I had a lot to learn. Following year 2017, I was all conference. You know, I didn't really know much of the rules. I didn't know what I was getting. I, I just know I had rewards. So it was totally slipped my mind. I thought I was done with football. But then coach tells me, he's like, hey, you got offers. I was like, what's an offer? And I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, to continue playing football. I was like, I thought I was done with football. I played two years. And he was like, no, that's the point of football. Once you, if someone likes you, you get to keep playing. I was like, wow. So I got offers from, you know, the Kansas Jayhawks, you know, the Texas Longhorns, Alabama. I was getting all these, these uh, Oregon State, all these big school names at Texas A&M. I was getting calls, and and I didn't know what a D1 was. I had no idea what D1 I thought Juco was the top of football. Like, I know there's NFL, but I'm talking about college. So I ended up committing to the Kansas City Jayhawks because I, I liked it, their uniform. I thought they had the coolest uniform. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to commit to them. But, you know, my brother, so my brother, me and him was talking. And he was like, let's let's reevaluate, bro. I was like, why? He was like, you don't want to go that way. Trust me. I was like, okay. So, you know, him being the, the more brains and knowing that he has more experience in football, I followed his suggestion. So West Virginia offered me and they offered my brother. So it was a package deal. So I was like, okay. So that's that's how we ended up in West Virginia. So I went, I went to West Virginia, bought out over there too, from 18 to 2020. And I was, uh, I was all conference over there too, you know, just playing football. You know, I just wanted to play football, have fun. That's what I've been doing this whole time. And then from there, I got, I signed with the New Orleans Saints right after that. You know, I went, I was with them for, I think, four months and everything was going good. I, I promise you, it was just like any other day of football. It, it wasn't. It's extremely hard. It wasn't really 
easy. It wasn't really hard. It was just just right football. I was learning and growing. And then it just happened one of those things where you get to the top and you get hurt. You know, I tore my PCL. And, and after everything was going my way, I honestly felt like I did a really great job. I was, like, getting feedback from the coaches. And that was loving what I was doing. Absolutely loving what I was doing. And, like, I felt like uh, one of those things where not, uh, I got to the top, like, now how do you, how much do you really want it? Like, you know, you gotta, now you gotta get back to it. Like, now that you have a little taste of what it's like to be at the, the highest level of football. After I tore my PCL, I came home and then I got invited to the NFL Academy. And then from there, I started growing my game, learning more and learning a lot of things I didn't know about football. And I made it that far without even knowing these basic things. Because in my head, it was just dominate the guy in front of you, block the guy in front of you, watch the backer. And, you know, it was that that's how that's how I made it that far was just that I kept it simple. And from the academy, uh, I met some coaches, I met some players. And the next year, you know, after that, I was drafted in the USFL. And I went to the USFL, started a couple of games, played the way I wanted. But then I had a couple of uh, situations, my son. Missed uh, his birth date, and a lot of things was just going on. And I came to the conclusion to make a family decision or a business decision, you know. And I chose to, on week nine, I made the decision to uh, come home and be with my family, help my wife because she needed help with the kids. And then uh, I had every reason not to leave the USFL. You know, uh, we were nine and one, like we had high. It was a high percentage of winning the championship, but it was either family or football. And not being there for my son and my wife and my daughter, I couldn't leave them behind like I've been doing this whole time. So I decided to go home. And then being at home for a week later, I got an invite to the XFL showcase in Hawaii, which was amazing because it was like, how do you say it? Like, um, I don't know. It was like it, it, almost like a miracle. It's too perfect to believe. You know what I mean? I gave up that, and then another opportunity. Then they called me. They was like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing?" And I was like, "Well, nothing right now." And then I decided to take my family out to Hawaii, give a little vacation while it was a business trip. I went to the XFL. It was amazing. I went to the showcase. Awesome. Met the Rock, one of my biggest fans I've ever been since I was a little kid. Met the Rock, get to perform, and then even the Rock commented on my performance, which I thought was amazing. He even commented on one of my videos and was like, "He definitely shined." And when he said that, it boosted up my morale so high. I was like, "I know I can do this." You know, I did really good at the XFL, according to the coaches. You know, they came up to me. Every single one of them was giving me props. I had like maybe three or four interviews after the showcase just explaining my story, who I was, talking to the coaches, getting to know them, shaking hands. You know, that's that's important in this business. How many hands you can shake and build a bond with, you know? And that's what I did. And then, you know, there were a couple bonuses. I was even I was even used to, I made a couple shots for the Rocks videos. And it was pretty cool. And it made that choice I made four weeks ago to make the decision to leave the USFL. It made it feel all worth it, all worth it. And I, all, I, all I can say is the XFL, I'm truly grateful for them. You know, everything's everything's still in the air. But I feel like from what I performed and what I displayed during the Hawaii Showcase, well, caught a lot of eyes and interest. 
especially with my background. I know I play for a team wherever I end up landing in the XFL. Hopefully, keep my fingers crossed I can play again. But overall, the XFL was amazing to showcase. That's awesome because, I mean, some of the questions I had was to ask, did you have any of those opportunities at one-on-ones? But it sounds like you had all that, not only with, you know, one of the co-owners and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but it sounds like you had opportunities with various coaches. Um, were they head coaches? Were they coordinators? I mean, was it a, a mixture of all of the above? It was mixtures of all of the above because, like, they had to also keep it very, you know, everything was still classified. Everything was not out to be, you know, the showcases were to show, hey, who belongs in this league? You know what I mean? And they, like, I, I get it because I talked to some coaches and they're like, you know, we still got to keep it business and, you know, just know that you're in our minds and you're on the, you're on the draft board and you put up you know, a good performance. That's what, that's what I was told, you know, and just keep working, stay in touch because they liked what I put up and I took that as a good sign. So, as of right now, you haven't received an official draft invitation. As far as I understand it, you haven't received one yet, right? Not yet. Not yet. And that could be just because I believe it takes a little bit of time. And we're not quite two weeks after the Hawaii showcase. So it could be right around where they're making some decisions with that anyway. It sounds like everything went well. Have you received any of your measurables or like numbers from breakaway data or anything yet? Yeah, I, I got some of my numbers. Um, I can't remember them off the top of my head. That's fine. I, not that I need them. I, I just wondered because they were talking about player ownership. And I know most of the guys that I talked to had not received them yet, so I was just kind of curious who was going to start getting them. Most people I was talking to about a week after they wrapped up their showcase and were about, what, a week and a half or so since you've had yours. So I was just how soon did you get those? I got them like literally three days later. Oh, that was pretty quick. Wow! Yeah, it's awesome. It was pretty. It was it was pretty good numbers. I, I remember you see. I remember showing a couple of my buddies, uh, and they told me they were solid numbers. They're pretty good, especially my, I think my ten and my twenty yards, and then, and uh, the cones. I was like, yeah, man, for a guy who hasn't been doing it for a while, it was, those are pretty solid numbers. And because I don't, I can't tell what, what what's good or not because I'm still trying to learn that part. So when I I, I showed it to my buddies who who've been playing for years since they were little. And they've been studying the game, you know, so like to them, I'm a novice still, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm unfortunately, I'm pretty blessed to have the, the you know, the skill set I have and to make it this far. But like when it comes to all, all things like measurements and all that, I, I still need learning on that. But they said from my, my good friends, they said it was pretty good numbers. I'm curious to rewind here a little bit to go back to your USFL. My understanding is a lot of those USFL contracts were multi-year deals so with you deciding to step away how does that usfl contract impact your availability with teams from other leagues does it limit you from signing with anybody from what i was told is once you get released or cut the contract is no longer valid and when i made the decision to to i when i requested my release to go home i requested it because i didn't want to get picked up by another team in the gotcha. USFL. So I did it because I wanted to go home to my wife and my kids. So that's why I did it. I even, like, I had this talk, you know, I had a couple questions about it too, my agents and everything. And I was like, no, you're good. Once you, once they release you and, you know, you don't get paid or anything like that, it's basically over with. And like, 
Yeah, it's crossed my mind, but I'm just like, I don't know why I would be, you know, hindered from being released when I requested it and I was on good terms with them. I don't know. It was like, it's not like I, I, I meant to do it or I was planning on doing it from the get-go. It was just a family emergency came up and I was really good with the coaches and everybody there. It just happened to, by fate and destiny when I was here for a week. I got the call, and that's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to go take this opportunity. I'm sitting at home with my family. It's not like I'm going away from them. I took my family with me. So I was like, yeah, we should be good. So I'm not worried about it. No, I'm just curious because we read, you know, whatever news gets out and however it's reported, and we heard that there were two-year contracts, and supposedly the only outs were going to be that for people that were presented an opportunity with the National Football League. They weren't going to hinder people from doing that, but supposedly it was going to keep them from moving more laterally, whether it was the Canadian Football League or, say, the XFL. So, again, just because somebody reports it doesn't make it the truth. That's why I just thought I'd ask, because if anyone's going to know, it's going to be the person that has the contract, you know, the player, the agents reading it and understanding it. So that's why I thought I'd ask. So it's just it's interesting, and it's a learning opportunity for myself, the listeners, so it just it's interesting because you're you're not the only one. I've seen other players that are scheduled to be or have announced that they're going to participate in the Texas or Arizona showcases. So seeing that, it's oh, all, I always wondered how. What's that? They're in this USFL. They were. Oh wow! Uh, I had seen a couple, and I'm, again, I'm not going to get into mentioning a bunch of players' names <laughs> and stuff, but it made me wonder. Okay. I can understand participating, but would you be allowed to sign a contract yeah. with the XFL? That's why I was just asked, because from what we had previously heard, that the USFL players were on two-year deals and the only out was going to be for the National Football League. But again, not everything that's reported is fact. It, sometimes it's hearsay. It's per a source. It doesn't say it on the record. and So you got to take everything with a grain of salt sometimes until you get it from a reliable source, the person that put the ink to the paper so to speak and knows what they signed and you know it actually gets to see it in front of where we don't we're just taking it all in essence hearsay so it's just it's good to know that's why i asked just it's interesting as anything i'm I'm, I'm learning too that that, that's very that was a good question because that was a couple questions i asked a couple of the guys i work with as well and i was a little worried about it too especially when uh when i did it and then he was like no it's in, you know, once you get released or get cut, it's the same thing. Yeah. Good deal. So once again, you find yourself looking for an opportunity. It sounds like you have a decent opportunity here in front of you. But how does your adversity impacted your mindset and your approach in seeking these next opportunities? Like the way I see it is as long as you do your part and, you know, you, you make yourself available and you sell yourself, which I feel like I've done that part at the showcase, I think it'll be okay. You know, you let everything fall into place. Uh, I see, you know, the fruits of my labor. It got me this far. You know, why why doubt now? You know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but like show me someone else who's been in my shoes, who has never played football until five years ago, picked up the game and made it to the NFL. You know, the thing I always tell myself is I didn't get cut because of my ability or my lack of, of football. It was it was a freak accident. I got hurt. It was like the most common fall you could ever see in practice. 
I literally tripped over a defensive lineman's foot and fell on my left knee. And then I got up, and then next you know, it was a grade two tear. And, like, you look at film, and I'm like, how the heck, you know, you, you question yourself, and you're just like, I was, I was, and even the docs were saying, that's a freak accident, you know, waiting to happen. Like, that wasn't supposed to happen, or that is such a rare percentage, and you just got unlucky. You know, I, I had talks with leaders of the NFL Academy, and they're very close, connected with teams, and particularly when I got feedback, from the Saints, it was nothing but good things for me. It's that guy's explosive, guy's great player, great attitude in and off the locker room. It, it was just unfortunate I got hurt. And you know, when they told me it was, you know, it was camp, it was mid, it was preseason. They need they need bodies to protect the, you know, the vets, the high paid guys. And I get that. I understand it's a business part of the, the football world, you know. So it was like that's one thing I learned so fast was it's the business. It's not over-exaggerated. It's business. Like, I remember getting hurt the next day. There was already another guy. And, like, that hurt hurt me when I was just, like, all my hard work just thrown to the wayside, and I tripped over off of a freak accident. It hurt. But, like, and then once I left the NFL, it took me about maybe a month to realize I made it to the top. Why stop? And now that I see myself in the same situation where I was in the USFL and I had to make a business decision. Like it's like I've only been playing for like a, a, a window period of maybe five to six years, but it's like every, all the experiences are are, are being forced in because I need them to be successful. That's how I see it. I need these experiences to realize this is what I'm getting into. If I come across it again, you know, I needed to get hurt in the top because you know I needed my mind to be a little shaken. You know, uh, it happened again when I was in the USFL. You know, I had I made a decision. You know to support my family and that's what I did you know now that I know how these feel I know how to you know achieve them again next time so like to answer your question I, I don't fear it I'm ready for the outcome no matter what are good or bad because I put my heart and soul into it and I I won't regret it either. I, I like I know I won't I'm just I'm just happy for what I put in and even to this day I'm training every day I'm giving it my all. I was like, why are we mad at it? As I had previously mentioned, an XFL executive has appeared on the show. So I typically provide each of my guests with this opportunity or a last plea. If an XFL coach or a key staff member happened to tune into this episode, what is there about you that is not commonly known that you'd want them to know about you? And why should they offer you a draft invitation and ultimately select you over another player? My answer would be is my passion that I have for the sport. I will give it my all. You know, I make sacrifices on top of sacrifices, you know, just like anybody else. You know, I've asked God for a better heart. And he gave it to me, and I don't take that lightly. I have more years to come and I'm going to give it to whoever gives me the opportunity. Like whoever assigns me, whoever gives me, whoever drafts me, whatever comes may, may come. The fact that I have a better heart and a strong heart, I won't, you're not going to not get a hundred out of me. I might give you 700, you know, because I, I cried many nights and prayed for a better heart to have the opportunity to play football. And that's what's been driving me this whole time. So if whoever's watching any of the leaders or the, the if they if they want a football player, 
that's obedient and submissive to everything they want, but is very smart and will do things for my family and the organization, I will give it to them 100%. Because I know for a fact I can deliver it. And if I can't, and I hope not, God forbidding, I don't get her anything like that. But it's part of the business. I will give them what they want and give them what they need. And I know for a fact, if I don't, if I just give my heart and, and just work, everything else comes along automatically. Michael, it has been a pleasure. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and talk with me about your journey and your showcase experience. I hope you receive an invitation to the XFL draft, but more importantly, I hope you get selected to play in the league in 2023. If so, I would love to have you come back on the show again so we can discuss how things are going for you and how your team's progressing. Thank you again for having me. I really do appreciate your kind words. They mean a lot. I really do. And, you know, if things go the way we want them and they plan, I will definitely come back on the show and give you what you need. (laughs) If some of our listeners wanted to be able to follow you and your journey, how could they do so? My favorite social media is Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm somewhat on Twitter. And I think... You can follow me on TikTok as well. I might do some streaming, some video game streams too. And I don't know. We'll see. It's just I'm messing around. But as of right now, I'll probably be on Instagram. So what are your handles if they were looking for you? My handles? Oh, is that my name? Yeah, you like your name, your Oh, uh, it's I underscore M underscore Mike Brown. Good deal. Thank you. Before interviewing Michael Brown, I had no idea of his health issues growing up. Despite his childhood struggles, he has been blessed with a significant change in his health, and he is grateful for the opportunity to play football. How can someone not root for a guy like him to continue his career? I, for one, am hoping we get to see that happen for him with the XFL in 2023. So good luck, Mike. I hope your dreams come true. Don't forget the Let's Talk XFL fan line. Listeners are encouraged to call 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-825. 5935 and leave a comment, question, or hot take. If you do so, your message has an opportunity to be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.